today on the show, we have Alex Kochman from ABWE, from the Missions Podcast, from alexkochman.com, from articles featured in the Founders Ministry for the Church, Nine Marks. It's a pretty big deal. We're going to talk about the business of missions from an organization standpoint, what ABWE does, how you become a missionary, what it's like, what you have to do, how it works, how you work with the church and the organization. Got tons of great stuff in it today. Before we do, we are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Go over to flfnetwork.com, put in HTBT in a memo field. You'll get this sweet mug and tons of other great benefits. But most of all, you'll be helping us as we proclaim the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. The show is also brought to you by Kingsman Grooming Products. Kingsman Grooming Products. Go over to kingsmangroomingpros.com and you will get 10% off when you use HTBT in the checkout. There's the three reasons you know them, same with me, to buy Kingsman Grooming Products. Number one, you're supporting a Christian company. Number two, you already use these products, uh, hair products, beard products, leather products, and more coming out all the time. So you might as well get good quality products. And three, you get 10% off when you use HTBT in the checkout. Supporting Christian companies, switch out for better products, better quality products. And number three, get 10% off when you use HTBT. If you have any questions, comments, if there's anyone you want me to reach out to and do interviews with, uh, let me know, matt at howtobuildatent.com. You can find me on all the social media sites, How to Build a Tent, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to do more interviews, so uh, please feel free to uh, recommend. And if you have their contact information, you can send that along as well. All right, let's get into it. Alex Kochman, welcome to the show. Alex Kochman is the Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE. It's the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. That's right, Presby, I have a Baptist on. A theologically conservative, gospel-centered missions agency with more than a 1,000 missionaries in nearly 70 countries, where he oversees the recruitment and screening process for all the new career missionaries and their sending churches, which reminds me, we should talk about the screening process. I don't think that was one mm. of the things we talked about. That's, that's kind of interesting. Let's do it. All right. He co-hosts the Missions Podcast every Sunday night, missionspodcast.com, and his writing has been featured in various outlets, including For the Church, Nine Marks, and our friends, the Founders Ministry, and more, which I'm kind of jealous. Like, yeah. <laughs> I only get a hard time from the Founders Ministry. You get featured. I'm jealous. Man, they'll, 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 clearly they'll publish anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a BS in biblical studies and an MA in communication. Previously, you served as an online instructor with Liberty University and a youth pastor in Pennsylvania, where he now resides with his wife, son, daughter, and one on the way. Congratulations. Breaking news for the internet. Breaking news. <laughs> and they're not baptized. They're not. Correct? Not yet. Our not seven-year-old yet. is ready. We're just waiting for the church to schedule the next round of baptism. So <laughs> sorry to all my Presby friends. We're getting there. We're working on it. I feel like I just have to bring that up for David. You know, uh, yeah, and he's given can... me a hard time about it as well. So uh, yeah, he's <laughs> giving me a hard time too. I'm like, my kid's only a year and a half. You're already telling him he's a heathen. Come on. Uh, Those are eight days. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter, AG Kochman, A or AJ. I said G, sorry, AJ K O C M A N. And his website is alexkochman.com. It is Welcome really to good show. to be here. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having a, or thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Long time caller, first time listener. <laughs> I appreciate that as well. All right. So you are the director of advancement for a missions organization. Can you yeah. kind of just give us an overview of what that means for your day-to-day? -day? Yeah. Um, I kind of work 
and do three roles all at once. I joke that in the nonprofit world, uh, you just wear all these different hats, and that's just the nature of things. Mm -hmm. The primary hat that I wear is director of long-term mobilization. So that's basically recruitment of all of our long-term career missionaries. So out of our missionary force, about 850 of those are long-term missionaries on the field. Uh, so that's the main thing that I do is I oversee the process of recruiting them, getting them into the door, bringing them through the screening process, training, evaluating, interviewing, uh, connecting with their sending churches as well, making sure that they're compatible fully with the organization. We have about 400 sending churches in our organization. And the other hats that I wear is I kind of just do everything that I can to help market ABWE. Uh, so I spend about half of my time in our communications wing. And then with any leftover time that I have, which isn't much, I work a little <laughs> bit with our donor development wing as well um, mm -hmm. so that we can do some more to, to raise funds and, and take the, the burden off of missionaries who also raise funds and, and some of those other cost centers. Um, so that's kind of what I do. Everything that's kind of public facing involving ABWE, I get to help be a part of. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a privilege. And is your podcast and your writings kind of backed by ABWE or is that something you do on your uh, little left free time? So, right. So the <laughs> missions podcast is powered by ABWE. Uh -huh. um, although you know, the, my co-host Scott Dunford and I, you know, the views of the host don't always necessarily reflect, reflect the views of the organization. Uh -huh. um, but uh, we're excited to partner with ABWE on that. Uh, but yeah, in what little free time I have left, I, I like to blog on my own um, and try to get some of that published on my own. Um, I write for ABWE's website as well, um, mm -hmm. but my personal writing is sort of its own thing. And uh, sometimes I can be a little bit controversial, but really just trying to apply the Lordship of Christ to all of life, just like you guys are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Amen. I mean, every good Christian should be controversial from time to time. Right. You know, that's so true because <laughs> Jesus and his followers were pretty controversial. Yeah, yeah, that's right. For sure. All right. So uh, can you kind of talk to me about what your organization does? Because from my understanding, we, your missionaries are usually sent by a church. The church supports them. So how do you guys kind of interact with that process? And what kind of support do you add to the church sending the missionaries? Yeah. We would be one of, I, I, I'm not convinced every missions agency would say this, probably some <laughs> would, um, but we would be right up there and say that we don't believe we're the real sender of missionaries. So you look at Acts chapter 13, first three verses in there, and it's as Paul, Barnabas, Silas, and some of the others are together, they're praying, they're fasting, they're worshiping. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give a couple of them sort of this subjective feeling that they're called, but he gives an objective calling to the leadership of the local church and says, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. And that's the birth of the first missions trip, essentially, you could say, in mm -hmm. the book of Acts. So we look at that as kind of normative. We would say it's the local church that's the real sender. We just want to come alongside the local church and be the arm of the local church, be a resource for them, uh, truly parachurch in the sense that we want to be a tool for churches as they're doing the real work of sending. So one of the things that I do is I explain that to pastors. I walk through that with them. They have a partnership agreement that they come on with us and whatever authority that we have. So we we serve as the employer to, the, to most of our missionaries. Most of our missionaries are um, deputized fundraisers with our organization, but they're legally employed with ABWE, and that's able to help get them into different countries that get on our benefits. There's a lot of uh, avenues there that are kind of relevant to what you talk about on the show in terms of business and career. Uh, mm -hmm. But the advantage of that then is whatever authority that we have over missionaries and far as leadership, training, is all delegated authority from the local church. But we would say the church is the spiritual authority. The church is the real sender in the whole equation. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I wanted to be a missionary, and what would be the process if I was thinking about doing that as a career? I would be obviously like I feel like God's called me to go. I, I talk to my pastor, and then my pastor reaches out to you guys, or would I directly reach out to you guys? Like, what is the process with just becoming a missionary? Yeah, no, that's great. It varies for everybody. Okay. In fact, this statistic that I don't know how accurate it is, but it's been circulated <laughs> around here, <laughs> which is which is that from the moment that somebody feels an inclination, they feel called to a particular field from that that time to the point where they're able to actually set down and put boots on the ground. It's about seven years. That doesn't mean that we have a seven-year screening process, uh, but wow. it means that it takes people a long time to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is there is the process of getting appointed and training and raising funds. And that can be a long process. From a recruitment standpoint, it's interesting because if you're recruiting even, you know, I, I think of sometimes it's analogous to think of seminary recruitment think of an admissions department that that describes some of what I do, but you always have a new semester starting. You're not talking about a, a multiple years long turnaround process for people deciding on their calling and having those prayerful conversations with people quite as much. So it, it makes it interesting to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually the first thing is we do encourage people not only to pray, but to meet with their pastors, to have the buy-in of their their local church, to make sure that they're members of their lo- local churches, that they're already serving in some capacity, that they're already sharing those, their their faith. We have an e-booklet that we distribute to people that's also a tool as we're building those conversations online. And a lot of what we do is uh, we attract a lot of leads to us through search engine optimization, people that'll come and ask, they'll Google, you know, how do I be a missionary in Africa? They'll find us and we have those conversations. We push them back into their churches. They have those conversations first, once they're ready, they start an application with us. And we have about an eight-step application that I helped write. And it's pretty thorough. It's pretty invasive. There's a lot of mm-hmm. questions about your personal background, your your theology, uh, morality, all those sorts of things. But they lay all of that out there. And one of the first steps is as soon as we get uh, the first form of their application approved, I get a push notification. I get a task to go ahead and call their pastor in their church and make sure that everybody's on the same page. So it's really kind of a both and as far as the local church and the individual that approaches us. Got it. So they go through this process, they get it, they get approved by you. And then, so, and then is it like an additional years of fundraising and that's what takes so long? So, cause you said the process really is shorter than seven years, but usually it takes that long to yeah. do funding and get every year affairs in order. Uh, yeah. So three times a year. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Ready to cut you off, Matt. So three times a year, we do a new missionary orientation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they come and candidate and they have their final interviews and they leave ABWE as appointed missionaries with an account set up from their industry average, for lack of a better term, call on missions and industry. But compared to similar organizations, Mm -hmm. uh, it's about one to two years to raise your support. And that's an average taken from all sorts of different cost right. of living and size yeah. family. They could be your single missionary living in the bush that doesn't need a lot of support all the way to your <laughs> married family of five that's trying to live in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, so it's about uh, 18 to 24 months is usually what we see to raise support. Um, unless somebody goes as an associate, which is kind of our tent maker option. That's something that we rolled out last year. If somebody wants to work and have a business, they have a side source of income. There's ways mm-hmm. to be appointed as a missionary, but not have to go through the traditional fundraising route. Interesting. That's like right up my alley. You know, yeah. tent thing. Do you have a lot of missionaries that are like, yeah, I'll go live in a bush. I don't need any money. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a lot of those. <laughs> there, well, 
Now, there is a temptation. People think, and this is interesting for your audience, so mm-hmm. people think that it's either career or missions. So they think that either I'm going to be responsible financially and build wealth and do those sorts of things, or I'm going to be a missionary. And they kind of tend to dichotomize those things. And one of the things that comes with that mentality is how can I raise the smallest amount of funding possible to get me to the field? Um, So that's where some good business sense and some biblical financial wisdom would actually help a lot of people that are interested in missions. Yeah, Uh, Because the reality is, is if you're only raising enough money uh, that you you don't even have enough to put into savings, then you're not mm-hmm. going to be much of a career missionary. You're going to end up being a short-term missionary. You can still think long-term in terms of your future and the support that you raise, just recognizing uh, that as you're talking to your supporters, to the churches and individuals that you support you, you're saying, hey, you're supporting my entire livelihood. And that means that, you know, I do want to save for retirement. That means I, w- I want to do some of those other things. Plus, the advantage of of raising support is you're diversified automatically. So if you receive funding through a more centralized organization, then the problem is, is when that budget falls on far, fall, uh, falls on hard times, you, you know, you, you might be let go. You might have to come off of the field and come out of a thriving ministry. But if you have a group of multiple churches and some individuals uh, that are supporting you, if one or two people fall on hard times and end up having to withdraw support, you're not left where you would have to leave the field. Uh, you might have to come back and raise support. So there's advantages to that. But we do have a lot of people that actually want to raise almost no money and come. And we encourage them just to think and to plan mm-hmm. and not to be too minimalistic about that. And we have a cost of living estimator that we assess every quarter um, oh, that helpful. shows us really what it looks like to live in mm-hmm. the 70 different fields that we have open. Uh, so we can give them an accurate idea of what it actually costs to live. Yeah, that's great. And you were actually talking to me a little bit about one of the biggest hurdles you see in becoming a missionary. Did you want to talk about that a little bit just for, mm. you know, the millennials out there that may have this issue or considering about going into missions, but um, might have some of these roadblocks they're not thinking about? Yeah. So there's a friend of mine, guy in California by the name of uh, Luke Womack, and I encourage you to look him up. We did a podcast episode with him, actually. So uh, you can look up the missions podcast, but we discussed the problem of student debt. And he did kind of an unofficial survey. Um, but the findings of that, I think it, it's anecdotal. It might not be statistically mm-hmm. significant, but I think it's accurate. I think it holds true. He asked a lot of like-minded you know, kind of Bible-saturated young people that he had gone to school with and knew through different relationships. And he asked them, you had a heart for missions at this point in your life. Why aren't you considering going to the field? Why aren't you considering going to the least reached? And the answer that came back from all of them was student debt. Uh, On average, I think an American uh, four-year college graduate is coming out of school with something like $30,000 in debt. And uh, it's, it's, it's crippling. And the reality is, is you might have a lot of fervor through college for missions, for outreach. Um, but once you start having to, you know, pay your, your second mortgage payment, you know, for the room that Fannie and Freddie rent out in your house, which is what <laughs> I liken it to, it's like having these uninvited guests. Right. Uh, but as, as you're, as you're paying that out, you know, it, it does tend to squelch and quench the the missionary fervor that a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, encourage people to think through minimizing their debt as much as possible before they leave for the field. And if you're in college, 
four-year college isn't necessarily for everybody. Go to a trade school, make some money, um, and be on a better financial footing because the last thing that you want to do is have to raise support and also have to be raising support for a student loan payment that's going to take you 10 years to pay down. Yeah, amen to that. And you know what's funny? I just got this call from my uh, college, Pepperdine. They want more money. It's like they pay, you pay so much money and all these people are in debt and they call you for more money. It's like what other business or organization is like, yeah, you paid for the service. Now I just want more money for, for nothing. Like, come on, guys. It's a racket. I, I get I get those same mailings from Liberty University. And um, yeah, I feel much the same way. <laughs> but yeah. there is a cool thing. There are organizations um, like the GoFund, which is the organization that Luke Womack helped fund. Um, help start and, and actually raises funds for, and they actually help pay off student loans for people that are going to some of the hardest, least reached places in the 1040 window. Oh. Uh, that's a great option for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, not that we should all be looking for a, a kind of a silver bullet. We should be making good decisions early on. Right. Uh, but those options are out there. Don't think that just because you have debt, you shouldn't pursue missions. Yeah, I like the idea of trade schools or having a side business because not only will you not have this debt and keep holding you back from doing things, not just ministry, just other things like student loan debt can hold you back from a lot, buying a home and all that stuff. But if you go through a trade school or you are having your own business or like what we we're talking about is marrying together the idea of tent building and ministry together is you have something to use in the field and help teach people while you're preaching the gospel as well. Like there's probably certain places that don't have any business sense whatsoever. And just talking to them about your experience or a trade you learned like, oh, hey, I'm a plumber. I can help the village or the country that I'm in with plumbing needs. Like that has got to be a huge advantage to missionaries as well. It's not just for them for providing for their finances, but a tool to be used in missions itself. So business as mission is a huge area of conversation and for good reason. You mentioned plumbing. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I happen to know there's a, a missionary that I knew who was serving with ABWE, and he was one of the team's most powerhouse evangelists. His job was he was a plumber in a mission hospital, uh, wow. but he looked and he noticed there was this unreached kind of village like 10, 20 miles out that nobody had ever been to. He took a Bangladeshi and they started going out there and playing the Jesus film and people start getting saved. I mean, this guy was doing real ministry as a plumber. Mm -hmm. It's amazing stuff. But the other reality is, is that the reason a lot of these countries are unreached, um, especially inside the 1040 window, is because they don't they don't want to be reached. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to get a religious worker visa in many of those cases. Sometimes the only people that can get in are people that can build a viable business platform and not just a fake business or a shell company that's going to be an excuse on a visa, but one where people can watch you being productive in your environment and see, oh, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, to actually add value to your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a great like picture of the world of a spiritual you know, benefit you're bringing. It's like, I'm bettering your life as an example of what spiritual abundant internal life is. Like you think this is great having running water. Well, let me tell you about living water and how, <laughs> and how much more blessed you can be from having a relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's just such a great opportunity for those things. Uh, well, and you see that with the apostle Paul too. He says to the Thessalonians, you know, that he wanted to work as an example to them. Mm -hmm. um, even, even though he could have easily gotten support from other 
churches and ministry partners that he had. So that's not to say that traditional missionaries shouldn't raise support. I think we still need that because the difficulty of business as mission is when you're putting in 40 hours a week or more than 40 hours a week with some kind of business platform to invest heavily in ministry and to actually plant a church out of that, it's going to take a whole team of people around you. And it's it's not easy. Right. I'm not convinced anyone has the secret sauce of of balancing all of that other than just being a, a high capacity individual that God's called. But uh, I have a friend named uh, Matt Bennett who teaches at Cedarville, and he has a great illustration. He kind of says, um, I, I forget the name that he uses. I think it's Ahmed. He says, hey, don't be like Ahmed. You say, well, who's Ahmed? Well, imagine somebody moves in next door to you. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his whole family are from somewhere in the Middle East. They hardly speak English. They have like a child's level of English. You never see him working. He never goes anywhere, but he's always down to talk about religious topics. He always wants to take people out to Starbucks. And every Uh time you see him at Starbucks in the middle of the workday, he doesn't have great English, but all of a sudden he knows all of this technical religious terminology. He knows what substitutionary vicarious atonement is within Christianity, <laughs> and he can tell you why it's wrong. Uh-huh. And, and and then you see that he's having people over his house once a week, and and they're all of the same nationality of him. And question becomes, would you trust Ahmed? You wouldn't, you wouldn't trust Ahmed. You'd have mm-hmm. no idea what he's up to. And unfortunately, uh, as important as missions is, a lot of missionaries can get into that uh, difficulty of you show up in a country and a culture without a credible background or excuse for being there. You don't know the language and culture well, and you don't have a platform. You don't have a means of productivity in that culture. And that can hurt you uh, in terms of people trusting you and knowing what you're about as you're trying to have gospel conversations. So business's mission is not a silver bullet, mm-hmm. but it's it, it, it matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and it gives an opportunity for people to participate in the kingdom work as well. Um, so I think it's hard sometimes for people to want to raise money and perhaps why there's people that want to live in a bush, quote unquote, is because maybe they're more intimidated and um, scared to ask people for money. But when you think of it as money is just a tool, it's nothing more and it's something to be used for the kingdom where you're giving people an opportunity to participate and help contribute to building the kingdom of God. And it's really a blessing. So no, not that you should never have support. You should have support because it gives an opportunity for people um, to participate as well, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at look at what you guys are doing on the network. You know, you might have a Patreon page or you have your Fight, Laugh, Feast membership. There's ways of saying, I'm going to do something for the Lord. And you might not get, you know, a, a product, you know, a widget that's generated that has value. But uh, if this is adding value to you, you know, would you support the work? And that's inviting partnership. And that is biblical. And to people that are afraid to raise funds, you, know, you look at the book of Philippians. That was a church that was financially supporting Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is biblical. And we do need that because uh, we still need traditional missionaries. And God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That's what Hudson Taylor said. And it proves true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. And you're like the best guest in the world. Like you're giving plugs to my network, to my shows. I love it. You're going to come on more often. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. I'm happy to come on anytime. <laughs> oh, great. So let's talk about your podcast just to wrap it up. The Missions Podcast. It's on a weekly. What is it about and who's on it with you? So let me start with it started on the plane with my boss and mentee. Actually, he was my boss at the time. Now he's on the West Coast working part-time with ABWE, and I'm his boss. So the uh, <laughs> the, the, the turntables have turned, uh-huh. uh, as Michael Scott would say. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we have a great relationship. We're always talking about theology and missions. And we decided one day, let's turn a microphone on and, and do this. 
um, and maybe it'll be of benefit to other people. And the Lord has just blessed it uh, in a way that we didn't see coming. We've had mm -hmm. people who want to apply and serve as missionaries because they've listened in on these conversations that we would oh, have wow. been having anyway with guests and with each other mm -hmm. about theology and missiology and missions. Um, and so we're excited by that. We've been doing it since uh, the fall of October. It, it was October 2017. But here, here's the burden is that for some reason, when you go to the mission field, more often than not, the mentality is that you check your theology at the door. There's so much pragmatism in the American church, but there's so much more in overseas missions. For whatever reason, there's this feeling of you apply your theology here, but because that's all Western systems, those sorts of things, right? Then mm -hmm. the second that you leave, you want... Now, there's some wisdom in that, right? We have to adapt to other cultures. We have to understand mm -hmm. that we're going into new contexts and we can't take anything for granted. So there's, there's good contextualization, um, but there's a lot of theology podcasts and there's a lot of theological conversation that happens here in the States and in North America and in the West. Uh, but that doesn't benefit people overseas. And so the slogan of our podcast, our whole mantra for existence is to help goers think and thinkers go. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to, to create informed missionaries. And we're also trying to take the average person who's listening to podcasts on theology, on culture, on apologetics, on evangelism, and get them to just constantly be thinking and rem remembering that it's not just here in the States that th these issues are important, but that mm. there's an entire world full of unreached people groups also out there that, that need some of this. Oh. So we're just trying to unite that, that chasm that for whatever reason, there's this great gulf fixed between missions and theology. Mm. And we want to bridge that gap. That's so great. I have noticed just in podcasts, the ones that do the best are the ones that find some kind of niche like that, that no one else is talking about. And that seems like a really great opportunity to uh, explore and discuss. So if you haven't already, go check out the Missions Podcast. You can find Alex Kochman on Twitter, AJ Kochman, and his website, alexkochman.com. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. Matt, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. I just love hearing about missions, what God's doing, different organizations, and how we are all furthering the kingdom of God together. Check out his podcast, check out his articles, and all that great stuff. Now let's go out, be successful. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God